You're listening to Corey Asbury in the Father's House. If you want to go look it up on YouTube later, I'd recommend it. Good morning, First Presbyterian here in the room, at home, streaming, all of us together. How about one more time? Yay! Huh? What a great thing to be able to stop and pause 
and listen and experience together what we do here at First Presbyterian Church. We're all about relationships that are real, that are authentic. And we're all about that meaning we connect with each other, with God, with Jesus Christ. And we're all about the transformation that's also real and authentic. What happens when we together as people connect to God and each other, God goes to work on us and makes us new people. That's our mission in our city, in our family, in our jobs. I hope that you at home, that you here in this room would want to join us in that mission. That's what I hope. Join the team and let's do this together. In the meanwhile, for the next 60 minutes, let's do that right now here. Let's experience real relationships and consequential real transformation because we're connecting with each other and with Jesus Christ. That's what we're all about here in this room today. For those of you who can do so, do this for us. Share what we're doing right now on Facebook. Take your phone out, your device, whatever, and share it so that other people who know or are watching you can see what you're doing. And that'll be a way for us to sort of expand our footprint. Another thing I'd like to ask you to do is this. If you were new to us and you would like us to know you've been with us, go to the Connect card and you see a QR code that's here up on the wall now. You can use that or you can go on our website and do a Connect card that tells us that you were here and we'll do our best following up to help you connect in some meaningful way. Because again, we're all about real relationships and we're about the transformation that is authentic that comes from all of that. One last thing I wanted to say this morning before I pray, and that's this. This morning, as you can see, we're going to observe the Lord's Supper. So we in the room will get instructions later on how to do that. But you at home, if you want to, prepare now. Go grab some juice, coffee, a biscuit, a waffle, whatever it is, and have that ready for you. So when we take the moment in the, later in the worship to share in the Lord's Supper, you can do so at home as we do so also in the auditorium. Let's do this, my friends. Let's bathe what we're about to do in a prayer, asking God to come and be with us. Let me pray for us. Gracious God, we thank you that we can come into this room and we celebrate together. We also experience some kind of connection with you and each other, and we also expect to be challenged. Gracious God, all of that is in service to us in genuine relationship with you, also experiencing your, your transformation in our lives. When we're together, we often in our hearts think of people who are in our minds and our hearts perhaps even are saddened or weighted down. And there are folks who are part of our family who are in need right now. So we pray for our brother Antoine, one of the folks that helps guard us out here on the street, who was in a car accident. We just don't know how serious. So give, give Antoine great care and healing. We pray for Keely Lynn. The, one of our leaders with youth ministry married to Bryce Lynn, our student ministry director. Keely had surgery this week. She's healing. It was scheduled. It was planned, but we pray that her healing would continue. Gracious God, we, we pause now. We think about the Snyder family, husband Bill, sons Tommy, Brett, and Matt, and their, their wives and all their children. All of, On the, the occasion of Adria, Bill's wife, her death this week. We pray that you would comfort that family as they experience sorrow and sadness even though they know that the difficulty is over and Adria exists in a restful state in your presence right now at this very minute gracious God we pray for our, our friend our sister Jackie Faircloth the ribbons here on this stage reminding us of her we continue to pray for her for her family her parents or her everybody in her family protect her give her a sense of your presence give her a sense of comfort Give her a sense that you know her. And we also pray by name for our sister Joanne Harvey, 
a, a sister in faith, gracious God, who's been battling heart issues as well as having come through COVID and out the other side. Take care of her. Thank you for the treasured friends that have been an active part of her everyday life, helping her through this very difficult episode in her life. And finally, gracious God, we think about the way we can be people in our homes, in our neighborhoods, in our jobs, where we offer authentic friendship, unconditional friendship. We take people just the way you take us. We take them just as they are, and we love people well. Help us, gracious God, to be your agents in our families, in our neighborhoods, in our jobs, that we might be people who somehow give off the love and the aroma of Jesus Christ, making a difference in our city, a difference that matters. Thank you, gracious God, that we get to sing, we get to celebrate, we get to connect, and we get to experience challenge of your presence. All of this in the name of Jesus, the one who we can't wait to serve. Amen. Good morning, First Pres. Let's get ready to stand and worship our Heavenly Father, the one who is the living water, and we thirst no more.
please be seated. We are going to recognize some folks this morning who are joining the church. Kathy, let's move this way because I don't think we're on the camera. We're recognizing some folks who are joining the church. We're just going to simply have them come forward, introduce them, and then uh, go on about the worship this morning. So we have two families that are represented. The first family are Chris and R.B. Bridges. Chris and R.B., there you are. So you guys just come on up. Why don't you come to this side of, of me over here, and that way we can say... A uh, appropriately safely distant because we have a mob coming up on that side so that, that Chris and RB are right here hot of bridges and so and now we want to invite Chanley and Juan Lee and they have three children with them Bella and Hamilton and Nicholas are you got all five of you coming up cool so and Kathy's going to say a little bit more about each folks each of these folks well, we're just excited about them joining the church, and you've seen them around the church. That's what's so fun about all of you becoming official members today, because you're already actively engaged. And so it's really fun to talk about this family, and then we're going to brag on you guys. But um, Chanley and Juan um, have been a part of this church, as I said. In fact, Chanley already offered to be the serve day celebration, end of day captain uh, the next time we're able to have that. And she's just a rock star. And um, their three kids are all at Plant High School, Bella, Nicholas, and Hamilton. These are athletes. And I have the privilege of working with the girls volleyball team. And I know that Bella, and I'm not exaggerating when I say she is feared in our state as a libero. She is, and she brought that team all the way to the state finals. Incredible. And then Nicholas and Hamilton are athletes as well. They play baseball at Plant, and they're all smart. And um, Juan is a radiologist at Tampa General. And uh, I think the intelligence comes from the mother, though. Yes. So, yeah, you know it. And Chanley is all in with her kids. She's all over it, serving in so many different ways. And we're just grateful that you're a part of the life of this church. And then I get to introduce um, Chris and R.B. R.B. is in long-term care, and Chris uh, teaches Pilates, and she does marketing for a wine company, Scout and Cellar. Yeah, Scout and Cellar. And um, they have two girls that are already involved in crew in the back with Miss Rachel. Um, and their girls' names are McCartney and Ann Taylor. I'm Ann Turner. And it's just super sweet because they're already just diving in completely. So what we want to ask all of you is, as you come to us as followers of Jesus, will you serve him with us? Will you worship him with us? Will you be a part of the life of this church that we not only serve him and love him, but we care for each other really well, building relationships with each other and with God so that transformation can take place in our lives? If so, say we will with God's help. I love it. And will you all receive all of them, those of you online and those of you in the room, will you love them with your prayers and reach out to them and get to know them? Uh, because these folks are already serving you. So thank them for it, for engaging with us and with Jesus. Let's just say one big amen. Amen. God bless you all. And thank you. I'd hug you, but not wise. Good morning, my name is McLean Murphy and I'm on the staff in the session and I just have a couple of really fun things to tell you all about. 
The first is we are in the fourth week of Lent, and I've really been looking forward to this week because we are fasting from social media. Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, Twitter. I don't know what you're endlessly scrolling on, several of them for me. And so for this week, from today until Saturday, no more. I'm really excited about the space that God's going to create in my own life through this. And I already have a person in the church. She text messaged me this morning. And she said, I'm giving it up all week long. Let's hold each other accountable. So maybe you do that. Maybe you hold your spouse accountable, your friend. It's going to be a really beautiful week for God to show up big because we actually give him the space and time. So I'm excited. I also wanted to let you know that we are bringing bagels back. If you were, oh yeah, oh let's get it, okay, I like that. If you were in the habit of worshiping with us before COVID, you'll know that we would have bagels and coffee in the breezeway, and we are bringing that back, but with a twist to make it COVID friendly, we are going to be opening up the doors so that you can go and enjoy your bagel before the service starts, out in the courtyard, or out on the sidewalk, that is all coming, and we're still gonna have no food here in the sanctuary because we are asking uh, for everyone to kindly wear masks, but uh, get here early, it'll be open starting at 9.30, and you can have a bagel and coffee and catch up with friends. And then the last thing I wanted to let y'all know is that VBS registration is open on our website. This is always a favorite for kids in our community. It's really cool, not only people who are actively involved in our church, but people in the city of Tampa love this VBS program. And it's a place for people to come and hear about Jesus for a week. It's from July 12th to the 16th. It is for ages 4 to 11. So we want your kids to come. We want your neighbor's kids to come and sign up you can do so on our website and that um, leads me to my final thing and I just wanted to stir your heart to allow God to help you give back to him through this ministry of VBS because this is so cool what our director of children's ministry Rachel Godin does she partners with the just initiative it is a ministry here in Tampa serving underprivileged families and we every year invite kids from the just initiative to come and experience VBS with us absolutely free and See, just strike a chord with all of us right in our hearts. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> um, but the thing is, is that we want to invite you to participate in VBS by making it possible for some of these kids to come free. So it's $68 per kid, and we are asking for 10 sponsorships so that we can have 10 kids in front of the gospel, in front of leaders who love them, pointing them to Jesus who otherwise might not have had the opportunity. And so I thank you in advance for those of you who God's already raised up to say yes with your $68 uh, for these kids. And if you want to say yes to that, you can go under our website to the Give tab. There's a drop-down that says VBS Sponsorship, and we just thank you in advance for that. Thanks. You know, it is such a blessing to be able to visually see the new members that are now a part of the First Press family. And it's a great reminder of the Christian walk, how we at one point are, are lost and we're slaves to, to sin, to our own desires, maybe maybe to this right here, maybe some of us are pretty still pretty slaves to this, so we still need to work on it, which is a great opportunity this week. But 
we make the decision to become a follower of Christ and become involved, not with what we want, but with what he wants for our lives. And it's cool to see the process of where a person is now and where they were. And we all are at some point in this process. So as we stand up and begin to worship, let's praise the Lord for breaking those chains and that we are no longer a slave to fear, to sin, to addictions, that we have overcome that because he has overcome that. So let's sing together now. You unravel me with a melody. You surround me with a song of deliverance from my enemies to
you see that? That picture, you know what that was? Our house for the last two weeks. Real contentment? Uh, I don't think so. Fitz was sick for just two days with COVID, and then after that, 10 more days, it was how do you keep a good man down? He was like a caged cat or bird or whatever it is. He was, he was caged, let's just put it that way. And he is set free right now, y'all. He's, so, <laughs> he's never been so excited, never been so excited. I just want y'all to know that we feel so loved by all of you. We really do. I love the way that we take such good care of each other at First Press. During the last two weeks, uh, because of COVID exposure and then Fitz testing positive for COVID, you just reached out with just generous help. We couldn't get over it. And it's just true. We don't just say it around here. We really are about building real relationships with each other and with God. And in a year that has been absolutely unprecedented, due to COVID challenges that were never ending, you know what else has been unprecedented? It's been your sacrificial, selfless care for the welfare of others in the midst of it all, truly. So I'm so moved by all of you. You see this super cute couple that's about to come up here? You'll see their picture any, any second now. Yeah, that's Haley and Dustin Pop. Haley and Dustin grew up in South Tampa. They were part of the life of this church. And they got married right where I'm standing. I had the privilege of marrying them two years ago. In fact, their anniversary is this coming Tuesday. We were on this spot. Well, they now live in Austin, Texas. And as you know, the recent series of epic ice storms have wreaked havoc in Texas, right? I mean, we're talking about bursting pipes, days on end without power, scarcity of food and supplies, even limiting people to just 15 items max per person, and completely unnavigable ice-covered roads. For Haley and Dustin, what began as a group text with people in their neighborhood for social reasons became a lifeline during these storms. When half the neighborhood would be without power and the other half would have it, neighbors went back and forth inviting each other over into each other's homes to stay warm. I love that. Well, on one particular day, Haley realized they were running out of groceries and decided she would just have to walk to the grocery store because she couldn't drive on these ice-covered roads. Well, it's a mile down the road. But she reached out in the neighborhood group text and said, does anyone need anything? And a mom she had never met before responded and said, I could use a couple of things for my children. So Haley, set out in 25-degree weather, walked the mile to the grocery store and the mile back, and then husband Dustin then delivered by walking the groceries over to this mom, meeting her for the very first time. But it doesn't end there. 
Haley and Dustin were without power four days straight, which meant that the interior of their home was in the 30-degree range the whole time. So when they were down to three wet logs remaining of firewood, their church sent out an email saying, if anyone needs anything, fill out this form. And though hesitant at first, Haley filled out the form and said, we need firewood. Within the hour, she was texted by a church elder saying, I will deliver wood to you immediately. There's a picture of the wood. There it is. This is real. Never cherished so much, right? And you look at that wood and you realize that church had mobilized men and women in the church with four-wheel drive trucks to kind of send emergency supplies all over the city wherever it was needed, including for them. But I want you to see this text exchange that took place between this church elder and Haley. Haley texts him back, and I know you can't read it, so I'm going to read it to you. She says, thank you so much. Going to try to share this amazing gift with some of our neighbors who are struggling. Did you catch that? Do you know how fast you go through firewood in 30-degree weather? in your home going to try to share this with neighbors who are struggling the church member texts back i really believe one thing that jesus is trying to teach us is how to be less individualistic and self-sufficient and truly embrace that we are all members of one body it brings me joy knowing that you and your family are just a few degrees warmer then haley texts back I totally hear you on that. I find it easy to be a person that wants to provide, not receive. So this is a lesson on relying on the body and the blessing of that. Thanks again. And wait for this. We will introduce ourselves to you when all of this is over at church. They've never even met. That's so powerful. But because of the pandemic and because of one ice storm on top of another, they were dealing with a crisis within a crisis and yet discovering in the middle of it all a joy, a contentment that surfaces in the selfless and sacrificial giving and serving of neighbor to neighbor, church member to church member. I'm curious about contentment like that. I'm really curious. Contentment is really appealing to me. Isn't it appealing to you? The Apostle Paul wrote about this kind of contentment in a letter to some friends in a church that he planted in the city of Philippi, which is located in East Europe. So it's really interesting because he's writing about a contentment that they've never really quite heard of. Because Paul understands that contentment is practical, contentment is necessary, and contentment is imperative in the midst of difficulty. 
Did you catch that? That in the midst of difficulty, contentment is practical? That in the midst of difficulty, contentment is necessary and imperative, especially when most of us are convinced that it's our circumstances that are robbing us of our contentment. So Paul is going to take our understanding of contentment and turn it upside down by saying this. And it comes to us from Ephesians chapter 4. He says, I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether I'm well-fed or hungry, whether living with plenty or little, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Now, we chose this verse as the key verse for this message series because we wanted these words to sink in and influence your life forever. But in order for it to sink in, if you're anything like me, oftentimes I'll read scripture and I, it'll go in one ear and out the other. So I want to invite you to join me in reading it again, those of you online as well, so that it has a chance to sift down into your soul. And I'm also going to ask you to stand and do it with me. And you're thinking, why is that? Because there's something about standing that brings energy to the moment and a focus. Because, friends, I want you to claim every word. So please stand with me now. We're going to read this robustly with your heart focused on every word. I know what it is to be in need. And I know what it is to have plenty. I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living with plenty or little. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. You can have a seat. I want you to claim every word because this is being said by a man who's talking about being content while he's in jail. A man that can do that has my attention. A man who can talk about living with very little, yet says they're content in the same breath, has my undivided attention. Because if you're in a Roman jail, a Roman jail, they don't provide bedding, food, or take care of any of your needs. They don't care if you live or die in their jail. And yet Paul is saying, I can be content even in this situation. Which means it's possible to be content in any situation. Not just ideal situations. Because Paul is a man who has been shipwrecked, snake bit, beaten up, and many assassination attempts have been made on his life. Ever since he signed up to follow Jesus, it's been one difficulty after another. 
And although you and I can't relate to those particular things, snake, I don't know if any of you have been snake bit, but none of those things can I connect to. But oh, can we imagine what it means to live through a pile-on of painful experiences. Of course we can. And yet the man is able to say, in any circumstance, in any situation that I'm in, I'm able to be content. I don't think I can say that. Can you? Paul, are you seriously telling me that when you've been shipwrecked and you were hanging on to a piece of shipwreck in the ocean, that you were able to be content? Yes. Paul, are you saying for real that while you're in prison, in a Roman prison, behind bars, with none of your needs being met, that you're telling me you're content? Yes. Are you seriously saying that when you have been persecuted, maligned, and misrepresented by the people around you, you've been able to be content? Yes. Wow. I'm not even content because I couldn't attend a couple of fun events last week due to quarantine. But Paul says, I've learned the secret. So let's lean in and learn the secret from Paul. Let's lean in and learn the secret of how to be content when we are at the height of joy and happiness and success and affluence and learn the secret of being content when we are at the lowest place, the hardest place. Because Paul says the secret is I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Not, I can do all things when I'm a baller and I'm making more than six figures. Not, I can do all things when I have everything in my life lined up just the way I like it. Not, I can do all things when I'm finally out of the current situation I'm in, I'll be so much better. No. He's saying, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength in any and every situation. These words, these words have held me together and strengthened me more times than I can count. They really have. But you know what? For the last few years, I took these words to heart so personally that I made them about me. I turned them into this. We'll show you. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. This means so much more than what Jesus can do for me. And of course, Jesus wants to strengthen you and strengthen me any moment, any time in our lives when, when we need it, and he will. But I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Isn't just so you and I can get the help we need, feel a little bit better, and whoo, got through that one. No, there's more here. 
I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength is also so that I can begin to focus on what Jesus is doing in a situation. What he's up to, what he's trying to accomplish in a bad and difficult situation and in a good one. My eyes are off of me and on to him. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength so that in any situation, good or bad, I'm also able to care about the welfare of others and not just myself. Because this isn't about me. It's not about you. This promise is for you. But it's about God and about God's purposes. Paul is influencing a new generation of Jesus followers with a radical understanding of what it means to be content. And he's had an influence on two men in particular that he's mentoring. Two men that I cannot wait for you to meet. Their names are Timothy and Epaphroditus. And Timothy and Epaphroditus are watching Paul because he's their mentor. They have a front row seat to the way that Paul conducts himself in jail and in any situation. And you know what they're doing? They're starting to imitate him because Paul in turn is imitating the sacrificial love that he sees Jesus doing. So he's imitating Jesus and they're imitating him. So let's meet Timothy first. It comes to us from Philippians chapter 2. If the Lord Jesus is willing, I hope to send Timothy to you soon for a visit. Then he can cheer me up by telling me how you are getting along. I have no one else like Timothy who genuinely cares about your welfare. Next slide. All the others care only for themselves and not for what matters to Jesus Christ. All the others care only for themselves and not for what matters to Jesus Christ. But you know how Timothy has proved himself like a son with his father. He has served with me in preaching the good news. I hope to send him to you just as soon as I find out what is going to happen to me here in prison. And I have confidence from the Lord that I myself will come to see you soon. There are three things at work here. Timothy's love for Jesus, Timothy's love for Paul, and his genuine and deep concern for the people in this church in Philippi. This is a selfless man. Well, now I want you to meet Epaphroditus. Pulling up the next section. Meanwhile, I thought I should send Epaphroditus back to you. He is a true brother, co-worker, and fellow soldier. And he was your messenger to help me in my need. I'm sending him because he has been longing to see you. And he was very distressed that you heard he was ill. 
And he certainly was ill. In fact, he almost died. But God had mercy on him and also on me so that I would not have one sorrow after another. So I am all the more anxious to send him back to you, for I know that you will be glad to see him, and then I will not be so worried about you. Welcome him in the Lord's love, and with great joy, and give him the honor that people like him deserve. For he risked his life for the work of Christ, and he was at the point of death, while doing for me what you couldn't do from far away. As you hear Paul talking about Epaphroditus, I have to ask you a question. When were you the recipient of someone's gift to you because they set aside their personal needs and they set aside their personal interests and thought of yours? It may have been something really simple, like a, a phone call or a text or a card, but you knew in your heart that in the context of their very busy life, that what they did for you was sacrificial. I know it happened for us last week. Laura Gaddis, who's a very busy working mom, reached out to us and surprised us, insisting that she wanted to bring a dinner meal to us midweek. We were so touched and surprised by that. It's not like Laura has time on her hands. She doesn't. But we were so encouraged by her, and we knew that it was sacrificial. Thank you so much, Laura. We appreciated you. But you know what? It's so evident that Epaphroditus' self-interest and his needs are clearly secondary to Paul being encouraged. And that church in Philippi growing into spiritual maturity in their faith. Do you see what's going on here? Do you see what's happening? Paul is a hero maker. He is being a spiritual parent to Timothy and Epaphroditus, who are in turn then investing intentionally in the same way that Paul has done for them. They are now doing the same for others. Because Paul is teaching them the secret to being content. A contentment that surfaces in the selfless, and sacrificial care of other people that we're witnessing in Timothy and in Epaphroditus. While all the others are chasing after contentment, as Paul says, by caring only for themselves and not what matters to Jesus. So Paul is using Timothy and Epaphroditus to encourage this church in Philippi to keep doing the sacrificial thing, to keep doing what really matters to Jesus. And I believe we are also being encouraged to do the sacrificial thing, to do what really matters to Jesus. And that small church in Philippi 
made the choice to do just that because they raised support, financial support for Paul to meet his needs and expand his ministry. And they sent Epaphroditus to help him in ministry, which meant that Epaphroditus had to navigate a treacherous journey that would take him on anywhere from 700 to 1,200 miles, and it would last anywhere from six weeks to three months to get there. He would have to navigate wilderness, dangerous roads, a sea voyage, and more in order to personally deliver this sacrificial gift and the gift of himself to assist Paul in ministry. Well, First Pres Church, we get to do what that Philippian church got to do. Because for the last 15 years, every year for the last 15 years, many of you, hundreds of you and people in this community have joined me in Africa, in Tanzania, in order to come alongside the Young Life staff there who are reaching teenagers with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And our job was to go and do whatever was needed to encourage the local staff and volunteers so that the neighborhood kids that they were reaching out to and their parents would grow trust in them. Our job was not about us, aren't we great, coming to Tanzania, absolutely not. Our job was to make them look good and lift them up, their leadership. So under their leadership, they asked us to build a preschool and many of you were involved in that. It took several years. We built a preschool that was also used as the safe place where teenagers could come to a Young Life Club and hear about the gospel, the good news of Jesus, the hope of Jesus. These are kids living in a slum, getting hope, real hope. They also asked us to build fences around two different secondary schools. So that was two other of the 15 years. And we created a perimeter around these schools in order to make sure they could be safe while at school. They asked us to bring crocs and flip-flops. Some of you are nodding your heads. You're remembering all the collecting we did so that they could give them away to everyone in the village. We even dug a well and in doing that, we were doing it for a little tiny, tiny preschool within the slum in an area called Twamkeni. This little school could jam in about 13 little teeny people. It was a mud hut, kind of thatched roof kind of a deal. And what we provided them was not only the well for water, but a big oil drum so that they would have enough oil to make ugali, which is kind of like oatmeal, one hot meal a day for these tiny little preschoolers. Then you helped us collect soccer equipment and uniforms to elevate a group of kids on a soccer team run by Young Life in the poorest, most dangerous slum in East Africa, Sakoini One to elevate them from playing soccer on a rutted field with a ball made of trash and their little toes sticking out the end of their shoes 
into contenders, national level contenders, playing in East Africa games. All of this was done. Sorry. It's so powerful. All of this was done with our hearts, building relationships that mattered and that matter to this day. Many of you are still engaging online through WhatsApp, talking to these leaders, to these staff members, and to these teenagers. But friends, we now have the opportunity to take it to the next level. To take it to the next level with sacrificial support, enabling ministry to develop and flourish in South Africa through Young Life with a first pres tithe. And not only a first pres tithe, but boots on the ground engagement, just like we always do. It's always both. Well, that little church in Philippi had no idea of the impact that their sacrificial financial gift for Paul and the sacrificial service of Epaphroditus would have on growing ministry so profoundly back then that it would one day reach us and impact our lives this very morning. And it seems to me that our tithe, coupled with our personal engagement, will have an impact on the lives of teenagers in Africa, not only this generation, but for generations to come. And I want you to hear about that from my dear friend, Alexis Kwame. Alexis, many of you know and love him because of being in Tanzania with me but also because of the many times that he's been in Tampa in this worship service, in this community, in your homes, staying with you. Alexis is now the vice president of Young Life, not only for South Africa, where we're going to be tithing and supporting, but for all of Southern Africa. So I'm going to let him give you the big picture view about the impact of engagement and support. Let me start by wishing you a happy new year. How I wish we could all be together face to face, hugging one another giving each other a high five and say Happy New Year. But God knew that things will be different. And I want to celebrate with you what God has done for us. My name is Alexis Kwame, and I am the Vice President for Africa South. In Africa South, we have 17 countries from almost the center of Africa to the southern tip of Africa. And all the small islands included are part of our geography. And this year, we do have reason to celebrate God. One of the things that we are celebrating God with is, when COVID hit, I was scared. Of course, scared for my life. All of us were scared. We had to stop everything. 
what we knew how to do better, which is being together face to face with kids that were no longer option for us. We needed to come up with a new way of reaching out to kids and God did lay in my heart strongly that what he wanted was it is time for us to move boldly. We had spent a lot of time earning the right to be heard by these kids, but now God was calling us to go and share the gospel. Call them, share the gospel with them, and boldly ask them if they would give their life to Jesus. My celebration today is since April 1st to, to now, now when I'm talking, we've shared the gospel to more than 52,000 kids. No, I am serious. 52,000. Unbelievable. And what is the beautiful things about it is 10% of these kids gave their life to Jesus. The leaders led them to know Christ by phone. Who knew that we would do that one day? God knew. And that is my celebration. But right now, as we start this new year, and as we look at what is ahead of us, we've strongly felt and we know that God is calling us to go and reach the next kid. And I want to invite you all to walk with us as we go toward the next kid, as we reach out the next kid. And who is this next kid? We've spent time with our leadership looking around our table. Who is missing? Who is the person who should be there? And in Africa, if you do not know, we do actually have a lot of people who could be in our, in our table, on our table, and they are not, like the albinos. We've not reached that community. Uh, kids with special needs, most of them we are not reaching. But we, God is really strongly calling us. This time we are going diverse. We are reaching all those kids, but also, each of our leaders knows that this year, God is calling us to duplicate ourselves. God is calling us to give birth to whatever we are. That every club will give birth to another club. Every leader will give birth to another leader. Every campaigner in the neighborhood, in the school, will start another campaigner. We wanna go double. And I really wanna challenge you. Would you walk with us that journey? It is scared. I am scared too. But we want to do that. I want to challenge the regional committees. It's time to duplicate ourselves. I want to challenge, invite our families, invite our friends. God is doing something. And the time is now. The time is now for us to move. You know, as we think, and as I spend time thinking about this year 2021 and the next kid, I am scared of it. But one thing I know is God is asking us to step out in faith, to step out to something very scary. And maybe it's asking you to do the same. Yeah. Alexis just talked about the fact that it's scary. And that's because it means being sacrificial. It means me putting aside my personal needs, my personal interests, in order to do what he said was to reach every kid, to do whatever it takes to reach every kid. Because it is Alexis's vision 
to reach every teenager in Southern Africa. That's because it's Paul's vision to do whatever it takes to reach the next person, every person, for us in Tampa Bay and in partnership with them in South Africa. It means being sacrificial, selfless, because Jesus was. And because Jesus was, Paul was. And because Paul was, Timothy and Epaphroditus were. And as we are watching them, we now know what to do. So the first thing that I want to ask you to do is to pray. To pray for Alexis and his team, for the team in South Africa, that the tithe that we give as a church will have a far greater impact enabling teenagers to be reached with the hope of Jesus. But the second thing I want to ask you to do is to pray about being a mentor. Alexis described it as duplicating ourselves. It's what we saw happening with Paul, Timothy, and Epaphroditus. I'm asking you to pray about mentoring someone by intentionally investing in their life. Paul was just a little bit older and a little bit further down the road. He wasn't perfect. He was just someone that loved Jesus and loved others. And he was willing to invest in Timothy and Epaphroditus. Would you prayerfully consider investing in someone's life only because you're just a little bit further down the road in faith and life and to bring them along and to encourage them in faith and life? We've got the template. We have everything you need. We have Jesus. We have Paul. We have Timothy and Epaphroditus. But we will also have a plan for you. My daughter-in-law, Kristen Connor, has had this on her heart for the last two years. She's been praying and hoping that she could help us launch a ministry in this church in which we are mentoring each other and others in this community, where everyone in this church could be mentoring someone to bring them along in life and faith or be mentored by someone. Talk about generational impact. Oh, yeah. It's scary. But if you want contentment, it will rise up when you and I put our personal needs aside, our personal interests aside, and we begin to say, okay, Lord, I'm willing to do whatever it takes. And that's what happened here. This is the place where Jesus put his interests aside this is the place where Jesus put his needs to the side and served us by selflessly, sacrificially laying down his life. This is the place where you and I can put aside our needs and our personal interests. Because as you come forward this morning, I'm going to ask you to just have a conversation with Jesus where you say, who is it, Lord? that you want me to serve in the same way that you have selflessly and sacrificially served me. So I invite you to come forward with the gluten-free option in the middle and the others on the outside. 
I will direct us to participate in communion together at the same time once you return to your seats. Please come now. and gave thanks. He said, whenever you eat this bread and drink from this cup, remember what I did for you. So open the lid now, eating the bread of life. And then the cup of salvation. 
friends, I'm going to invite you now to stand with me. And as you see this, this reading that's coming up for next week, I want you to know that Paul is going to continue to encourage you and surprise you. And I want you to do the reading as it comes up on the screen so that you can be encouraged and surprised by him. And now as we stand, we're standing in order to be the new generation that rises up in selfless faith. Amen. I see a generation rising up to take their place with selfless faith, with selfless faith. We'll see you next